Welcome to another episode of the Zebra Lounge Podcast. I am Marty. And I'm Stripes. We're your hosts on the most impactful <laughs> podcast of all time. It's the Zebra Lounge. We've been thinking about how to talk to our listeners about something. Stripes, why don't you tell them the news? Well, we just want to let our listeners know, those of you who um, reached out, and asked where the second podcast for, I want to say... May was. Um, Marty and I have decided to cut down to one podcast a month, so you'll still be able to hear our voices once a month, but we found that it'll give us more time to come up with um, a few more ideas rather than having to crank out two every month. So for those of you wondering where we were, we are um, doing one a month from now on, so if you, you hear this, you can you can follow those rules there so you can look for us once a month and this will be our podcast for may this is it and this is what we're doing and uh, it's more manageable for us we will still uh hopefully continue this for an indefinite period of time but we are glad you the listeners do miss us for those of you expressed mrs g uh that was an encouragement to us that we were missed and so we appreciate you writing that to us and we do pay attention and we do read every single uh, communication that comes our way with regards to the Zebra Lounge. So the Zebra Lounge lives on. Do not fear. Um, <laughs> if you have missed us, thank you for missing us. We feel really good about that. We wanted to kind of give you an update on what we've been doing. And I'm going to allow uh, Stripes to tell us what she's been up to after I briefly tell you that I've been teaching a class online in Athens from Canada. And it's been a wonderful opportunity for me to speak into the lives and to learn from students from all over who are currently at a college in Athens and I've been able to teach class from afar. And so these 25 students were all gathered in and around Athens. Some of them were on the campus of the college. Some of them were taking their classes from their computers in their homes. But the class Spiritual Formation and Leadership uh, is something that we're going to touch on in the episode today. But first Stripes is going to give us a bit of an update on what she's been doing. I have been coming close to ending my school, so I have about, I would say, three to four weeks left, and then I'll be wrapping up um, my schooling for this year. I've also been doing a lot of rollerblading, going out. The weather here in uh, Canada has gotten a lot nicer, and so it's been fun to go outside in the warm sun and do some rollerblading alongside Balto. Um, and lastly, I've been doing a lot with music. I've been um, playing some guitar in the home, a little bit of piano, and then of course, whenever I can get around to a drum set, I'll be playing some drums and making videos there. So I've been keeping myself busy, but I would say school takes up most of my time. That's great. Yeah, school is all-encompassing, right? Especially when you are a high performer, high achiever, like Stripes, and we're very pleased that she has been diligent in her studies, even online, and we know many parents are looking at what their kids experienced this last year and they are lamenting the way that schools have handled or you could say mishandled uh, the online hybrid in-class offering and so we're thankful that stripes has been in an online program seamlessly from three continents over the last year and she has she has just maintained a very steady composed posture towards her learning so yeah, and I've been, like I said, teaching this class on spiritual formation. When you think of spiritual formation, Stripes, what do you think of? 
I think of um, a long pathway and a journey of spiritual development because you start somewhere and no matter where you're starting you're always going to um, grow, stay stagnant or uh, move backwards so what my hope is that throughout spiritual development you're you're moving forward and you're growing but there can be points in your life where you're stagnant or actually um, losing ground. Mm -hmm. Yeah so spiritual formation is a way that the human spirit is formed and here on the Zebra Lounge podcast we believe that there is not just the physical world we also are convinced that there is a spiritual reality to this world and so the interaction between the spirit and the flesh the soul and the body is overlapping all the time and so we want to make sure that we are forming our spirits well and the best way to do that according to us is biblical spirituality and so over the years uh, you can you can find different models or paradigms for spiritual formation especially the Christian spiritual formation the famous one that many people would look to is John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. Now that is an allegory, it's a narrative, and when you read that you are seeing how John Bunyan has crafted a story to take you on a spiritual journey, like you said, mm -hmm. from, from someone who was not a Christian to someone who became a Christian and then all the challenges they faced along the way. That's, that's one way of looking at spiritual formation. Another author uh, that I've read has looked at it developmentally and has identified seven stages of faith development that a person typically goes through, starting with a primal, undifferentiated faith, moving all the way to a universalizing faith. Then there's an author who you may have heard of, Eugene Peterson. I studied under him. He wrote The Message, which is the Bible, but he didn't actually write the Bible. He wrote a paraphrase of the Bible. Thank you for clearing that up for us. Yeah. He used the first five books of the Bible, that's the Torah, uh, as a framework for spiritual formation or belief formation. And still another author, and this is the one that I used in the class, proposes a three-stage spiritual formation journey. And so I'd like to talk about this author's helpful thoughts in more detail, uh, because I think it's helpful for us in a post-Christian, post-truth culture to utilize the metaphor that this author introduced to me on building. And so he speaks of construction. That's the first phase of your spiritual formation where you construct. Then deconstruction. And it seems like everybody's deconstructing everything these days, right? Deconstructing beliefs, deconstructing ideas, deconstructing books. And then the final stage is reconstruction. So what do each of these stages look like? Well, first, there's the construction stage. These are the preliminary steps that you take in your faith journey. So during construction, basic, basic structures of belief are accepted and established in your life. And this is normally done at church, in Sunday school, in a parachurch ministry, let's say in a youth group, uh, young life, for example, or a community where you become a follower of Jesus. And so whenever, and wherever that construction occurs, one of the distinguishing features of this stage is the acceptance of beliefs pre-critically. Do you know what that means, Stripes? When you pre-critically accept beliefs? When you don't um, really break them down and try and, or you're not very skeptical of them. 
you're not skeptical, right? You're just kind of taking a belief as is. So I tell you, for example, that you should not put your hand on a hot stove. And you pretty critically accept that because of my authority as your parent, as your dad, who loves you and cares for you. And you go, oh, I'm not supposed to do that, so I don't do it. But you don't ever test it. You don't ever test a hypothesis, right? And if, in the same way, a belief of, hey, God is trustworthy and reliable. God is real and he's trustworthy and reliable. When you're small, you kind of go, hey, dad says it, I believe it, that's good enough for me, right? That's often how construction takes place. Same thing with like learning a new language. When you learn a new language when you're young, you just kind of hear words from your parents and then you pick up the words and the phrases and you mimic them and then eventually you start using those words and you go, wow, this works. People understand the sounds that I'm making and they give me what I want when I make these sounds. Mm -hmm. And so it's just pretty critical, right? Yeah. And, and so in the same way, we believe what we're handed from people that we trust. That's how beliefs are constructed and Christian beliefs are no different. In the early years of your life, you're handed some ideas and thoughts about who God is, what he's like, and you accept them at face value. Okay, and some people might criticize uh, some beliefs at this point. Um, uh, they might say the pre-critical acceptance of beliefs is kind of like brainwashing. But I would say that this vulnerable trust is not a bad thing, even though some people are critics of it. I think we all need someone to hold our hands so that we can take our first steps towards Jesus. Well, something I would ask you then is that um, if most children then are uh, accepting ideas pre-critically, mm -hmm. then for kids who are seven or eight who are accepting um, different beliefs just because their parents are, are um, feeding them that information, is it fair to... Uh, pin them down for, for believing what they do because they've just accepted it because it's from someone they trust. So if that child were to be in like an accident or something and they've just been fed this information, they haven't really been able to, like they're at the point where they can kind of understand things, but they can't um, necessarily formulate their own ideas because they've just accepted what's come to them, how, like, how does that deal with that issue then? How do you weigh out that in someone's life, you mean? Yeah. Like how do you, how do you uh, judge that? Yeah, how are you asking? yeah, or if they grow up in a... Um, Let's pick an example, uh, pick a specific example. Okay, so there's a guy... Mormons? Maybe there well, are Mormons. Well, not even with faith, just with morals. There's a guy who grows up with an abusive father, and so he bullies kids in his school. Is that really his issue, or is it because he's just been pre-critic, or he's accepted beliefs pre-critically? Mm -hmm. So it's it, there's a big burden of responsibility on the part of the parent or the authority figure, the teacher, the parent, the uncle, the aunt, uh, the coach, to ensure that they are giving uh, what is right and true to the people who are looking at them pre-critically. So when that, that is not happening, there's a problem. You're right, and we're gonna get into that, right? Because I think sometimes when you're in an environment uh, where you're accepting things pre-critically, uh, it's not a bad thing, but we also have to know the beauty of construction is the trusting vulnerability. I said that, it's a beautiful thing. But we also know there's a dark side to construction, and this is what you're getting at, mm -hmm. the dark side. And the dark side is this. Um, 
the same ground, the same fertile soil that allows someone to accept good beliefs or good ideas or good behaviors, that same ground is also uh, a place that could produce some bad beliefs and bad behaviors. So just like we look out at a garden right now, we see some plants, some tomato plants that are growing outside of our window. That same soil could also nurture weeds. And so we don't want to uh, have weeds growing too big uh, later on in life. We need to then do the work of going, well, where are the weeds, right? And so I like this image from, um, from a hospital, right? Um, we know someone recently who went to the hospital to get a shot in his arm. And then he left the hospital after getting his second shot. And when he left the hospital, we think that perhaps he picked up something else along the way at the hospital, the very place where he was supposed to be healed and brought wholeness uh, was the place that actually gave him something that he didn't want. And so doctors actually call these illnesses that are picked up iotrogenic disease, diseases. So when you pick up an illness, when you go to the hospital, that uh, wasn't something you already had. That's called an iatrogenic disease, right? So you pick up something when you've gone to the hospital to get healed for something else, you actually pick up another disease that kind of sideswipes you. And so this is what happens in in people's pre-critical stages. They grow up in a family, they are given some words or truths or behaviors. Nobody's perfect, right? There's no perfect family, there's no perfect community. And so someone picks up some beliefs, uh, some good beliefs, but even though they didn't expect to acquire these iatrogenic beliefs, because that's what these kind of beliefs are, they're like the iatrogenic, iatrogenic diseases, they pick up these biases, these blind spots, these add-ons, and, and they're there. And so what happens is later on when you get older, you then have to begin to distinguish between the good beliefs and the not so good beliefs. And you have to be disciplined enough in prayer and in your study of God's word to go, oh, my dad told me that I can only pray with my eyes closed or else it doesn't count, right? And if I insisted and I punished you if you prayed with your eyes open, that's not what the Bible teaches. And then you go when you're 16 at camp, oh, I'm allowed to pray with my eyes open. Then you kind of go, oh, and that's when we move into the second stage, okay? The second stage on the spiritual journey is called deconstruction. And many people go through it when they're teenagers or young adults. And this is when you begin to look at beliefs that you picked up when you were in the pre-critical stage, but you look at them more critically. You look at them a little bit more um, analytically, skeptically. So our beliefs often exist in our life the way pipes exist in a house. Pipes are there, but you don't often think about the pipes until there's a problem. So we depend on pipes in our house to deliver water every day. And we don't pay any attention to them until there is a problem. For example, the toilet starts to leak and floods under the floor. Then we need to address the issue that has likely been building in the pipes for some time. The process of rethinking our beliefs usually begins when they no longer seem to work for us. Suddenly there's a problem in our life and we reevaluate those earlier uncritically held beliefs. This happens because no church, 
no religious community, I've said this, no family, no denomination, is immune to iotrogenic beliefs. Though we have been saved by the healing message of Jesus, we realize that part of our belief structure may actually work against or go against that original message. So deconstruction is a good thing on the one hand, but it's a double-edged sword because it can enhance our faith by helping us critically reconsider some of the wrong beliefs that we picked up. But it's possible that in your deconstruction, you can go too far and bring your faith that you hold to absolutely nothing. So any belief we, re, we, we hold uncritically, any belief we uncritically receive at some point that remains hostile or opposed to the biblical message of Jesus needs to be deconstructed. But the minute deconstruction undermines the gospel, our faith, or the Bible, that means we've deconstructed too much. No. And there's a massive difference between <laughs> deconstructing wrong beliefs and deconstructing our entire faith. Well, that was going to be my question. It's like the difference between renovating a room in your house versus taking a wrecking ball and tearing down the whole house. One is intellectual refinement. The other is faith abandonment. And so one is, one is healthy deconstruction and the other is faith destruction. And if you forget this difference, Stripes, you can actually end up destroying your faith. And guess what happens? Many people like you, they grow up in homes and the home is not perfect. Parents are trying to do their best. Then you go off to university and you start listening to these really smart PhDs and they say everything that your parents taught you is backwards and you're like from the caveman times. You're on the wrong side of history. And you go, oh, and they start giving you examples of how the Bible isn't trustworthy. It's not reliable. And look at this and look at that. And you go, oh, I didn't know that. My dad never told me that. And then you go, wait a minute, if it's true of that, then maybe the whole thing is just this house of cards that needs to be knocked over and I'm just going to abandon ship. And what I'm saying to you is that's nihilism and you can become nihilistic. Nietzsche, Frederick Nietzsche, read him. A nihilism is, is means you've, you've rejected all belief and that's a poor solution to analyzing some bad beliefs that you might have. And so... If you just abandon ship, the next step is to prefer no belief over the risk of a belief that might be found out to have some minor scratches on it. Well, in the Christian faith, if something falls through, a lot of the times it will then contradict a lot of other things. So therefore, if one thing is a little bit off, that does ricochet into the others. Yeah, because everything is interrelated and interconnected, but it doesn't mean that that uh, thing that you've discovered uh, doesn't have an answer just means maybe your parents or your youth pastor or your faith leader your mentor didn't have the answer but there are answers that you then need to start thinking about for yourself because if you haven't like I said been reading your Bible for yourself and you've just been spoon-fed by someone else who's giving you what they know and they don't know everything and you go wait a minute this is not true or this is not good they've been wrong it doesn't mean they've been wrong in everything it means maybe in this particular area a little bit off. So, so you have the construction, it's pre-critical, then you begin, as you get to be about your age and into university, you begin to unpack some of these beliefs and you begin to discover some iatrogenic beliefs that have sneaked in. Okay, And everyone has them. Anyone who says that they grew up in a home that was perfect, that taught them 
like perfectly, whether you're a Christian or not, uh, is lying. Because everyone has all of these, all this baggage that they've acquired, right? These barnacles that are on them that they've kind of journeyed through life with that they need to begin to kind of reflect on and remove and unpack and, and without destroying. Uh, the way to say it in a nutshell is this. You never throw the baby out with the bathwater. You never throw the good meat out with the bones. We recently saw in the fridge a big Tupperware container of some really nice beef that came off of a T-bone. How we got some extra meat off of that bone, I don't know, but there's a whole container off of a couple of T-bones that came home with us from a barbecue that we were a part of. And you don't throw out the bone and all the meat on it. You scrape off all the good meat and you put the bone in the garbage. Mm -hmm. So what I'm saying is don't throw out the whole meat with the bone. Scrape the meat off. Throw the bone out. Don't throw the baby out after you've washed the baby in the tub. Throw out the bathwater. Mm -hmm. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, so can you give me an example of an iatrogenic belief that you might have? And we're going to be real here now, folks. If you've listened this long, this is where Stripes is going <laughs> to tell us about some of the imperfections that she's grown up with. Go ahead. Like within my faith? Yeah. Um, well, I like to look at Revelation a lot. Yeah, so we've been talking about the book of Revelation. So Revelation can be read as, uh, especially Revelation 20. If you want to get controversial, you can read Revelation chapter 20, folks. And uh, we'd be interested in hearing your view on Revelation 20. That's for you, Mrs. G. That's for you, uh, Mrs. Uh, R, if you're listening. That's for you, Mr. Uh, P, Mr. D, Mr. D again, and Mr. Uh, C, and also Mr. Uh, M. M. We know you're listening too. Pick up the Bible, open it up to Revelation chapter 20, read it, and then you tell us what you think that chapter is saying. That's a way to get controversial. Yeah. And Stripes and Marty have had some conversations about that chapter, but also the whole book of Revelation in general. If you want to know more, uh, you're going to have to send us an email and we can talk to you more because we've got to keep this moving. We're already hitting the 22 minute mark. The next section is reconstruction, okay? So you've constructed, you've done some deconstruction or some renovation, okay? And, and we wanna be more like Peter and not like Judas, okay? Judas betrayed and forgot the ancient path of Peter because Peter denied Christ, but then he came back to Christ and he was met with mercy and grace. So will you, right? So being theologically wrong for five years or 10 years is not an unforgivable sin. God has lots of grace for bad theology, just as he does for our sin. And if he joyfully forgives our sins at the cross, I would say that he forgives our silly thinking as well. So God is not stingy with his grace, okay? We move into reconstruction. That's not giving up on our faith, but we begin to reconstruct. And I would say that after we have asked questions, hard questions, challenged, prodded, investigated, researched, we return a second time to the same faith that we were handed, imperfectly. We return to our first love, Revelation 2, chapter uh, verse 4. And it's here we return to the simple faith that we were handed after doing some complex and challenging work of putting our faith through a refining fire. I love that example or that image because it's like when gold is put in a fire, all the impurities rise to the top, you scrape it off, and you have a more pure gold. So you have to go through this, this fire, right? This dark night of a, a soul even you could say and, and you got to go through it multiple times right um, and sometimes these stages of 
of deconstruction, uh, construction, deconstruction, and reconstruction happen not not like um, not in, linear, a in a linear way. In a, not linear. Not non-linear. They're they're all over the place. It's like cyclical. Like right? a plane. It's like a plane. There you go. Yep. And so uh, you need to uh, be doing the work of reconstruction all the time, right? As you get new information, and that that implies that you are investigating and reading your Bible, and and so yeah, you want to you want to turn to Jesus, and you want to tell him you've got some questions, and when you ask Jesus, he gives the answers, right? You, you knock and you the door will open. You seek and you will find. And so, what is it that you are looking for? Because that's what you're going to find. So if you if you're looking for truth, you're going to find the truth, right? Jesus first recorded words in the Gospel of John. What do you want? And I think that's the ultimate question he asks each one of us on our spiritual journeys. What do you really want? What do you want? Tell me what you want. What you really really want. That's for you, Mr. P. So the ultimate question is, um, what do you want? And, and so the, the first, the last, the most fundamental question of Christian discipleship and biblical spiritual formation are the wants and longing and desires at the core of our identity. They are the wellspring from which our actions and behaviors flow. So our wants reverberate from our heart. And that's why scripture counsels above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from where? Your heart. Proverbs 4, 23. So, I don't know. We've, we've got these three stages where you've got construction work. You're doing that. you got the deconstruction, reconstruction. Any closing words on that? Well, I would say I like the way that you mentioned that it's not linear because I think that might be difficult for a lot of people to hear if it was linear. Because then I think, oh man, if I'm only deconstructing now or I thought I already reconstructed last year then that's a tough thing to hear but the fact that it's a, just a constant journey of growing I guess is the way you can put it I think that's comforting to know. Mm -hmm. I would ask you this question Stripes do you think it's easier to construct a Lego set or is it easier to tear it down? It's easier to construct it. Wow that, that blows me away. Uh, I would say it's it's harder to build it than to tear it down because to build it you have to follow the the book and you gotta you gotta read the manual and the step by step you gotta find the pieces you gotta be careful and diligent and very punctilious is another word I would use particular and then you you have to step by step. Well, to, when you tear it down, it's just like you're pulling mm, stuff apart. To all my Lego fans out there, you know how difficult it is to get those really flat two by twos off of each other. Um, you gotta use one yeah, of those, those special are, orange pieces. Those are the hard ones. So, Especially when they're, on, when they're on a flat board yeah. already in the middle of a piece, when you yeah. have those little two, two by one piece. Uh -huh. Yeah, that, you, that's hard, true. So I would say, yeah, it's good. Like when you're constructing, you have the manual, you have something to follow. When you're deconstructing, you're almost doing it just based off of what you know, and that can sometimes be a bit harder. Mm -hmm. But you find a balance eventually. Yeah. Well, our hope is that you, the listener, would um, reflect on your own lives and think about what stage you're in right now. Uh, what beliefs are you thankful for from your construction stage, from your community, from your family of origin? Uh, maybe you have some iatrogenic beliefs that need to be analyzed and treated. But we also know that uh, in order for you to do uh, what we're talking about, you must be willing to reveal a little of who you are to yourself and to God. 
and admit some things about yourself. But our ultimate hope is that you would be like a surgeon and not like a coroner. Both people, the surgeon and the coroner, know how to cut things apart and cut things open. But only one knows how to put things back together and bring healing and life. And that's the surgeon. Right? They have a scalpel, very careful. Don't cut everything up, but just very delicately and, and um, in a fine way, cut the parts that need to be removed to bring healing and life. And so we hope that you would open up the scriptures, you would find the real Jesus, and be willing to follow him wherever he leads you. Thank you very much. Thank you, listeners, for listening. And, yeah, just make sure you remember that schedule of one podcast a month. Um, if you ever have any questions or any comments or any topics that you'd like to see us cover, you can reach out and contact us, and we'd love to see some of your ideas. Uh, as always, my name is Strife. I'm Marty. This is the Zebra Lounge Podcast, where we hope that you hope for the best. What we plan.